Did you hear the big news? We started a private university. We are rolling out a new design certificate program and a master's degree program along with our Design Suite Mastermind. We have new enrollment dates coming up for these programs. And if you want to watch a 10-minute video and learn more, go to designsuitecourses.com learn. If you have been struggling to get sales from your design work or understanding what you really need to do to make money, I have the workshop for you. On September 23rd, I'm hosting my first ever profitable designer workshop. This one day, three hour workshop is only $97, but I have a discount for all my podcast listeners. Go to KarinaGardnerCourses.com slash profit and put in the code podcast for $50 off. I can't wait to see you more profitable. Welcome to the Make and Design Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Gardner. On this podcast, we're unraveling the everyday joys and dilemmas of design, making, and business. For makers who want to be designers and for designers who are makers, this is your inside scoop to help you grow your business and bring more creativity to your life. Hey guys, today I am here with April Cobb. I am so excited. We've been longtime friends and um, I'm going to have her kind of start with her story, but she has so many words of wisdom, especially when it comes to owning a creative business. So Design Suite members, I'm talking to you. Listen to what she has to say. She has some, some really good things. And really, we're going to talk about getting started today and first steps. So April, why don't you give everybody a little bit of background of like, you know, kind of how you ended up doing what you do now? Okay. Well, I, you know, I was an advertising major in college. I loved media. I loved like bright ideas and I've always loved art and painting. And so I loved sewing too. When I was in high school, I won awards in my sewing class. I just loved it. Um, but I put that aside. Like I, you know, went to college. I started along that path, got jobs and had started having children. And I then thought, oh, maybe I'll sew again. That might be fun. I had gone back to business school at one point and I was studying marketing. And I think business school did give me a lot of confidence um, just in starting a business and learning how to manage things. It was really nice, but I don't think that it's super necessary, especially in the field that we're in. So I got busy. I um, was busy with my kids, but I just felt this like emptiness in a way. Like I needed to be doing something like I needed to be creating something. I wanted to be selling something. I'm one of those people that like, if I am alone in the shower or at a stoplight, I'm thinking of products that would sell or products that you could get a high margin on. Like that's just really fun for me. So I got this crazy idea. I looked across the room, literally looked across the room and saw this tote bag that a friend had given me for my birthday. So I started designing and sewing handbags and selling them at craft fairs out in Washington, D.C., where we were living at the time. And then we moved to Utah and I started doing the downtown farmers market. Um, and after that, I the there was an economic downturn in 2007, 2008. And during the summer, like the winter before that, I'd gotten this idea for a headband that was really comfortable and reversible and um, just really cute. And maybe it hit right at the right point where Gossip Girl was a big deal and people were really into headbands. And so it was like my 
first big idea. And as people weren't wanting to pay $25, $35 for a tote bag, they were happy to drop $7 to $10 for a headband to buy something fun at the farmer's market. So a couple of Saturdays into it, I realized I wasn't selling any tote bags, but I was selling out of my headbands. And I'm like, how do I make 75 to 100 headbands a week going through my sewing machine? But it was, I learned a lot of lessons from that. I still sell those headbands um, and they still do well. They're just a great product. But as time went on, I started getting really interested in the quilting fabrics that were out there, particularly because I was buying so much of it for headbands. I was buying small amounts, which was great because I could like surround myself with so many different um, varieties and styles. And so, like I said, this was around 2007, 2008. And I... Uh, wanted to do more. I really wanted to do more. So I really, I'm, I'm good with Illustrator and Photoshop and programs like that. And I'd been an editor, you know, of newsletters and things like that. So I thought I'm going to start writing some sewing patterns. So I wrote a sewing pattern and I went to Amanda Herring's kickoff for one of her lines of fabric. Maybe you were even there, Karina. I don't know. I don't know. Was it, I wonder how early on it was. Oh, probably 2009 or something like that. I can't remember the, even what the name of the fabric was, but I can't remember if I was with Riley Blake in 2009. Cause she, she got, she was there a little earlier than me because I was, um, I was designing fabric for Northcott for a little while. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I went to that and um, Cindy Cloward was there, who is the, you know, the owner of Riley Blake Designs. And I had brought a couple of these patterns along because I had actually designed the pattern with the cover out of the fabric that Amanda was promoting. And I gave it to Cindy and she was really excited by the fact that I designed patterns and asked me if I might consider sewing, like designing some, some bag patterns that they could use for some kits they were doing. So I started doing that. And in the meantime, I was also, I had also become friends with uh, Joel Dewberry and his wife, Laurie, who's a close friend of mine. So we were um, getting closer and she was having a baby. And so they asked me also to start designing some patterns for them. And um, between that and keeping busy with Riley Blake, I was doing a lot of designing of sewing patterns. And then one thing led to another. And my husband decided that it would be really cool to get some digital print, like digital textile printing equipment and to start a business where we were designing um, or we were, you know, printing fabric on demand. So that this was the beginning of our company, Modern Yardage, which started 2012 um, and really got much bigger in 2013. And so I was working a lot with designers and um, one thing led to another. Let's just say it went from there. And at some point, a couple of years ago, it became too much for me. So I sold off my equipment and I continued designing and designing fabrics because along this way, I had just decided I wanted to, because I loved Gilmore Girls so much, I wanted to design Gilmore Girls fabric, among other things that I was doing. And so I went ahead, I did an entire line. You can see some of it behind me. And I was super excited about it, not because I was really planning to make any money off of it, but just because I weirdly loved the show so much. And we're talking like 2016 here or something like that. In the midst of designing that, um, Netflix announced that they were going to do a revival of that series. And one day, 
a few things happen and suddenly I was just swamped with Gilmore Girls orders and it still goes on. I still get tons of Gilmore Girls orders, but it worked out really well for me. So I've, I had an Etsy shop early on. I didn't use it a lot, but through Modern Yardage, I used my website a lot. And since then, I have just completely moved over to my Etsy shop. And that's where I sell my things. And sometimes I make things out of it. Mostly I just sell fabric. Um, so I'm, I've always, I'm always dabbling in all kinds of things, but that's a little bit about my story. But what I love is that there's such an evolution. You're not afraid to jump on a trend. You're also not afraid to make a move if you need to, like if something's not doing well or something is doing really well, like just even listening to the tote bag, I didn't realize you started in tote bags. I knew about the headbands. So then we, I was like, oh my gosh, you totally just went, oh, tote bags aren't selling. My headbands are. Let's make right. a change. I think so many people get really stuck on the idea of whatever it is that they are doing. They're like, this is the thing that they don't pay attention to the thing on the side. That's doing so good. Right. I agree. I, you've got to kind of follow your heart too. And that's something that in my friendship with Karina, I've learned a lot. We talk a lot. It seems about <laughs> I'm making money on this. This is doing great, but it is not how I want to spend my life. So oh, I'm gosh. going to forgo money. I'm going to forgo everyone's interest and begging me to do it. And I'm going to follow my heart and I'm just not going to do that anymore. Yeah. To me, it's like a balancing scale, right? It's like the thing that you hate that makes a lot of money versus the thing that you love. That's not making that much money. There's like, there's usually some in between and we just have to find where that is. Yes. Okay. April, do you have advice to people about, um, getting started? So like, I mean, you just, your quick start, like, it sounds like you just like, you know, the thing you see the thing, you just start doing it. Like if you could give anyone advice about that, like what are first steps? Like, how do you kind of get going? I think the first thing that you need to do is just to do something. Like if you know, I love to design or I love to quilt, or I want to be influential at this specific thing, you put yourself out there. You know, you go to the place where you're going to meet, make, make the acquaintances that you need to learn more and to find out what's going on. You spend time at fabric shops. You learn from artists. You ask questions. You watch YouTube, obviously. Like whatever it is, you just take those steps. And I've had friends who their kids have left the house and they have a degree maybe, but they have no resume. And they're like, what do I do? And I say, you just do something, whether that's volunteering at a school or you figure out what you want to become and you just take a step toward that direction and you keep making a step toward that direction. And if you're going to devote time to working toward what you want to do, you pick the time of day when you're the most alert. For me, that would not be the afternoons. I know that I'm more effective in the morning, so I'm going to make the steps and do the studying and practice those things in the morning when I have the energy so I don't get discouraged. But I would say just do something, get a job, volunteer to do an internship, whatever it is that you're working toward, just do something. And you won't believe how quickly as time goes by, you will be well on your way to accomplishing what you set out to do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's so good. And I liked your, the, the whole idea of what did you say? Like find the time of day that makes the most sense for you. And then when you're alert, cause for me, afternoon is also a problem. I, I start pretty early in the morning and I accomplish more 
those first three hours than I do for like six hours in the evening. Cause it, it just, I cannot think I am slower. So that's not everyone. Like some people, their best time is at midnight. I, I don't know, but just, you know, yourself. So choose the time that works best for you. I love that. So, so good. And I like just, you just take first steps towards what you want. What I find is that doing whatever you want to do is a process anyway, right? Like it's like you kind of find like the opportunities when you start making steps towards the thing that you want to do. Right. Like for me, going to the international quilt market early on in those days, maybe 20, uh, no, uh, 2011, 2010, something like that. I remember going for the first time and just making the sacrifice, getting the help I needed for my kids, getting an airline ticket, just going and meeting people. And I made friends that I've kept from that experience. And I learned so much. It's it's a matter of just really putting yourself out there and crowding out the self-doubt with desire. And I'm, I'm extremely motivated. I know Karina is extremely motivated. Like if something is very important to you, you put it first. And my children are very important to me, but unfortunately, sometimes they're a casualty of the other things that are very important. (laughs) I remember having to be at that farmer's market every week and needing to have like 15 new bags and my kids who knew what those little kids were doing in the house. And I am just running things through that sewing machine and tinges of regret about um, putting that as a priority. But I knew that if I was going to get that done, I was going to wake up and I was going to get it done. And then the other things like taking, doing fun things with my kids was going to come in the afternoon. You just have to prioritize what you need to do to get to that. Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm still in my head. You're, you just said like, I think it's total gold crowding out the self-doubt with desire. That's like, that is so good. April. That's so good. Seriously, so, so good. Um, but don't you think your kids, like, do you think they're good hard workers now? Cause they see what you've done. I mean, you know, they can be lazy like any other teenager or whatever, but for the most part they do. And I grew up with a mom. We had a fruit stand next to my house in California. And my mom was always working in that fruit stand and it, I'm not disadvantaged because of that. Like, I don't think that I've always thought of like the Little House on the Prairie and like Caroline Ingalls wasn't downplaying Legos on the floor with her kids or whatever. She was turning butter and working in the field and doing what she had to do. And I think it sets a really good example to our kids because we live in a time when it's very difficult to stay home and not be doing something and doing what I do and what you do does allow us to be home and we can get a little bit of the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. I agree with you. Well, April, this has been so fun. You guys, we're going to do another episode in a couple of months. So you'll have to check it out. April, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? I have an Etsy shop and I think that's probably the best way to go. It's called April Cobb Designs. That's the name of my Etsy shop. And I would love to hear from you there. I would love to get a message from you if you have any questions or you can see what I make and what I do. So good. I'm going to put the link you guys into the description of this podcast and on our website at makeanddesign.com. Thanks so much for coming, April. Thank you. Hey, did you know that you can visit me at makeanddesign.com to learn more about this podcast and join my VIP group for weekly freebies? I can't wait to see you there.